friends, and welcome back to the Demon Land Podcast. My name is Andy, and tonight I'll be chatting with two-time All-Australian and Demon Premiership defender Stephen May about his journey from Darwin to Melbourne to the Gold Coast and back to Melbourne, earning a captaincy and becoming one of the greatest defenders in the modern game. During our chat, we had a little issue with the audio, but I managed to recover it as best I could. Next Monday, Demon Land will be back live at 8.30pm, so please join us at demonland.com. And now, here's Stephen May. Our guest tonight needs no introduction. He was a member of the Gold Coast Suns inaugural squad. He played 123 games for the Suns and was their co-captain in 2017 and 2018. During the 2018 trade period, the D's used pick six, acquired in the Jesse Hogan trade to Fremantle, to secure his services at the Demons. Since then, he has earned two All-Australians and was an integral member of the Melbourne Football Club's 2021 drought-breaking premiership team. Most importantly, though, Demonland is his proud player sponsor. Welcome to the Demonland podcast, Stephen May. How are you going, mate? Thanks for having me. (laughs) Not a problem. Uh, Stephen, you moved to Melbourne from Darwin at 16 to complete your schooling. And while playing for Melbourne Grammar in 2010, you kicked 40 goals from eight games, including a bag of nine goals against Scotch College. The D's are currently in the business of turning defenders into forwards. Is there any chance we'll see Stephen May lining up at full forward? Mate, I've told Goody this um, probably every week for the last three years that I can play forward if he needs me. Um, and it just feels like everyone else is getting a chance up forward except me. But, um, you know, that's fine. I'm happy to play in defence my role. There has been, he has, to his credit, he has swung me forward late in games where I've been able to kick a goal or two um it's only happened a handful of times but you know so i know he does have that little bit of faith in me to go there but um i think he prefers me down back sort of keeping everything in in line and um he can sort of use me as a sounding board out there we have a really good relationship with what's happening game day um and what i'm seeing out there and what he's seeing on the bench so um yeah i think I can't see myself getting thrown forward, but who knows. You were a forward when taken by the Suns as one of two priority zone selections from the Northern Territory. Since then, you've played the majority, obviously, of your career in defence. What was it about your game or who at the Suns identified that perhaps you were defender material? To be fair, when um, Scotty, Scotty Clayton uh, signed me as a pre, pre-listing, he so I went and sat down and had a coffee in South Yarra and he gave me my contract and... He said he sees me playing full back, and I just laughed at him. I said, no, I'm not a backman. Uh, I've never played down back. I don't intend to play down back. Um, if you're going to take me and play me as a backman, like, let me go to a, a club down here because I wanted to stay in Melbourne at the time. Um, and he goes, no, we'll just give it a go. Like, you know, you obviously, we've got a few forwards up there. But, you know, we'll try it out and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I played a few games up forward. Um, you know, I played okay. Didn't set the world on fire, but I was only... You know, my first year and we're getting thumped every week. So it's not a great uh, combo. And then Nathan Bock broke his leg. And so we lost a big key for, key back. And there was myself, Charlie Dixon, Sam Day and Tom Lynch all up forward. And pretty much how it happened is we all got a week at and a half back over the next month. Um, and stupidly, I played the best out of us four down back. Um, and the sun's been beautiful. All right, you're... You were our backman for while Bocky's out. And then it sort of got to the end of the season. Um, you know, I was sort of, you know, I was playing okay. I was learning a lot. I was getting a lot of goals kicked on me. We were getting flogged. So it wasn't the most enjoyable position, but at least I was playing AFL. Um, and then Scott Dean Solomon, my defensive, our backline coach, said, 
if you are willing to put in the work this up summer and, and really buy into this position, you can be our center back for the next 10 years and you can be an all Australian. I'm not saying that like that, I mean it. And I just laughed. I said, mate, that's very nice. Like, I don't think any of those things are possible. Um, obviously, when Bocky's back and you probably draft another key defender, you know, I'll probably fall out of favor and then I've missed my chance up forward as well. But um, I really trust Solly. I have a really good relationship with him and I did, I did put in the work. It was it was really hard. It was hard to sort of picking up the ball and the ball getting kicked inside. I was good at that. I'm good at got good closing speed. I can read the play from being a forward, but it was more just the defensive aspect, how your um, team defenses work. And um, so, um, yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. Dean Solomon was probably the catalyst for that and just probably buying in and accepting as that as my new role and sort of letting go of the forward line um, dream that I had as a, as a kid. Well, he obviously did see something in you because you did get that All Australian, two of them, in fact. Um, after six years at the Suns, Suns, you were named co-captain alongside your mate Tom Lynch. You became the sixth Indigenous player to captain an AFL side. That must have been a very proud moment for you. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was incredible. Um, I didn't understand their significance at the time, maybe because I had to step up pretty Pretty, pretty soon and pretty quickly before Tom and I were both ready because of Gary's shoulder and then um, he, he's had to decide to head back to Geelong um, soon. So we sort of uh, tried to put something in play. But um, I'd been in the leadership group for probably four or five years and I was vice captain. So I'd, when Gaz got injured in, uh, I'm not sure, maybe it was 2015 or 16, he, we were acting captain anyway. Um, so... I, you know, I had a little bit of experience with it, but yeah, the, the indigenous part of it and being a leader and being a captain, that's probably not something we're renowned for, you know, it hasn't been too many captains, um, very, very shy usually. Um, so just to sort of break that sort of stigma and show that like, even if you're an indigenous player, like you can be a leader, um, don't be shy. Um, and now you're seeing more of it and now um, yeah, no, it was certainly very hot as a whole of my career, that's for sure. At the end of 2018, you made that tough decision to vacate the captaincy role of the Suns and leave the Gold Coast. Reportedly, the Magpies were heavily into you. What was it specifically about the demons that attracted you to the club? Uh, yeah, it was a very, very hard decision. Um, Collingwood and Melbourne, both very, very good clubs. And um, at the time, we're both building right ways. Like, SR, Melbourne just played in a prelim Um so, and then I chose Melbourne and then Colin played the grand final next year. So I was kind of like, oh, what have I done here? We finished 17th on the ladder. Um, you know, I was injured all year. But um, the main thing was my meetings with Goody, I think. Like, um, my meeting with Bucks was was good and um, their, their leadership group. But when I met with Goody and um, Nathan Jones and Max Gore and Jake Lever, it was more about becoming a better person and on the back of that, becoming a better player. Um, whereas all the other clubs was mostly about my, my on-field, which, which is awesome. But I think that's what stuck out to me personally was, hey, they actually care about uh, you as a person and they're, they're interested in making you the best person you can be and, and in turn you become a better player. So the other the other really big um, sticking point was the playing list. I thought Melbourne had all these young guns who were all signed at the time, which was really important. I don't want to come in and they all left. And... Um, just that premiership window and then being able to be a part of that team that delivers that premiership after such a long drought and a curse, you know, and all that sort of history. Um, that's something that stuck out to me is like, wow, like when I was at the Suns, I was thinking, imagine being a part of the team, first premiership team or for a new club. And I just felt if that was to happen, it was going to be after my time was done there. Um, whereas the Melbourne one, well, no, you guys just played in a prelim and 
had a very good list and we're building nicely and I thought, you know, I can slide in here, play a role and hopefully have a hand in, um, you know, winning, winning their next premiership. So, yeah, it turns out to be a really good decision. It certainly was. Uh, that move to the D's, obviously, as you said, was a successful one since joining the D's individually. You've earned two All-Australians. Collectively, as a team, you famously won the 2021 Premiership. And as the fullback, you were an integral part of the, that season and the drought-breaking flag. Was that the pinnacle of your career? And is the hunger still there for more? Yeah, oh, certainly the pinnacle. Like uh, To play in a Premiership was just that was my single... Actually, I lie. My single goal was just to play one AFL game, so I could tell everyone back home that I, you know, played AFL. That was. <laughs> nice. But once I'd done that, I I refocused and, and changed my goals, and um, just the idea of, and to be honest, it wasn't to play in the Premiership. I wanted to play finals. I'd never played in a final. I'd never played a Friday night game, no big game. So to come to Melbourne and play, you know, the Queen's Birthday, the Anzac Eve, and then be a part of finals like that, I mean, even just playing a Friday night. Like that was all, that was the big carrot to me. Um, so to, yeah, win the flag um, for Melbourne, break break the drought. And yeah, that was just, yeah, it doesn't get any better. But the thing is, as you say about the hunger is once you've, once you've had that, like it's addictive and you just want it so much more because you know what it feels like. I guess when you haven't experienced it, it's hard to know what you're missing out on. It's just sort of in your, in your imagination. But thinking back, and we talk about it all the time, that, that you know, that, that great final that week before it the, the week the weeks after it um it is just like something such it's hard to describe and um it makes you want it more than the drought you know like last year we thought we had everything and we fell away and lost and got not eliminated in straight sets and it just was so hurtful um feels like we're wasting opportunity you know we speak to coaches and they say you don't know how good this list and this opportunity. It's a small window. You know, it's so hard to win in the AFL. So don't leave anything. Don't, don't leave no stone unturned. So that's sort of where we're at right now. And I think last year was probably, I don't want to, I'm trying to make positive out of this, but what we needed after coming off such a big high, like a bit of a reality check. I feel like we're building the right way um, to set us up to actually win our next flag and not just make the finals again. Is that disappointment of the straight sets driving you even more this year? Yeah, it, it, to be honest, it was embarrassing, man. Like uh, to, to go ten and zero to start the year and um, finish in the top four and you know be the best defensive side, like tick off all the KPIs we have, and then um, yeah, to go out in straight sets against a team like Brisbane, who we'd had the wood over. Yep. You know, we played really well against them. We probably got a bit complacent. Um, just shows like if you're a little bit off in the AFL, in particular in finals, you get your ass handed to you. So. Um, it was it was a, it was definitely a reality check, but it wasn't a wasn't a deflating moment in terms of we we lost belief. It was more like, geez, we need to be we can't we can't take anything for granted. We can't get complacent, and every win's valuable. Um, we talk about last year we were winning games, and we we'll, we were walking off the field and feel like we lost because we didn't win perfectly the way we wanted to. Um, and it's not until you have a loss like we lost to Essendon a few weeks ago where you're like, gosh, yeah. We just need to get those wins and bank them now because you know, build towards September rather than leave everything in the tank in the first few rounds and then, you know, sort of be running on empty come the end of the year. Uh, the hammy injury going into the grand final, 
How bad was it? I know the medicos kept you in the dark about the extent of the tear at the time, but were you ever a chance not to play in the granny in terms of how you actually felt? Uh, can you take us through those two weeks from the injury in the prelim leading right up to and including uh, grand final day? Yeah, well, when I heard of it against Geelong, I, I kept playing and um, I didn't feel great, but I didn't know, obviously, the extent. And Goody just said, if you can give me a half um, and we and we can, you know, the game gets out of balance because he just wanted me to play on Hawkins and try and just take him away from the ball. Um, and then we ended up kicking away, having a big score. So we were able to sub. Oh, I don't know. Was there something? Yeah, I got subbed. Um, so I felt pretty good, you know, because I kept playing after I did it. Like, I didn't think it was very um, how bad it was. We had two weeks till the granny. Um, and then they sent me for scans and I said, oh, I don't want to get a scan because if there's something there and you don't pick me because of that, like, they will, it will kill me. And they said, how about this? We'll do a scan, but we won't tell you the results. So you can just prepare for the grand final and rehab it and get it right and put your hand up for selection like you normally would. Um, we will get to see it so we can best help with the with the rehab, but we won't tell you what it is if that's going to help you, you know? Because if, if they had told me what I actually had and it was a great three hammy, which is like 12-week injury, wow. <laughs> like there's no... There's, there's no chance I can play. You know what I mean, like in my head instantly, I'm like, well, I can't, I can't play. What am I doing? Like, I can't walk out there. Um, so I'm glad they didn't tell me. It wasn't, it was every day I had to do cryotherapy every day. I had to do three times in the pool every day. I had to do all these little tedious exercises every day to slowly build the strength and resilience back in the tendon. Cause that's what I'd snapped. Um, and and it was a race against time. Like it was, I could tell Goody wasn't very confident because every time I'd see him around the hotel, he wouldn't really make eye contact with me and sort of just sort of walk past me pretty fast. And I was kind of like, he's been really giving me nothing. I don't really know what's going on here. Um, but I think he knew the extent and was thinking he's got a massive decision to make in terms of, you know, play uh, a key defender or and risk him getting in, injured early and we lose a really important uh, player in an important position or back me in so I think he was pretty torn because yeah like I said he's never really given me so little <laughs> when I was injured so um, yeah I think to get through and then to find out uh, in the game I actually didn't feel too great to be honest the first half Norton picked up this ground ball on me and snapped the goal and I looked up Jake's lever and I was like man I'm, I think I've made the wrong decision here um, and then the only the alternative was to not let the ball hit the ground and keep it in the end spoil it and not have to do that again so um, I think after Bond kicked his third goal in the third quarter, I sort of said, stuff it. I don't care if I rip it off the bone. Like, let's just, I'm just going to play it properly. And then I actually took a couple marks and started running better. And I think it was that little barrier I needed to get through to believe that my hammy wasn't, you know, that I was like, capable of doing it. I was probably playing a bit safe because I was nervous about it um, and nervous about getting subbed early and then nothing to use that and you know, potentially cost us the game. So uh, there's a lot of demons going through my head. <laughs> No doubt, but um, I'm just thankful that the boys up up the field, the mids and the forwards just turned it on in the third. And thankfully, us defenders didn't have to do a lot and I was able to get through the game. Your Indigenous heritage is obviously an important aspect of your life, both personally and professionally. You play for a club that places a great importance on the well-being of its Indigenous players. They're pioneers of promoting Indigenous culture and heritage, changing the club's name to NAM, being a great example. As a non-Indigenous Australian myself, it makes me bloody proud of our club being at the forefront of promoting social issues, particularly those within the Indigenous community. How does it make you feel being associated with a club that's uh, that's like that? 
Yeah, I got to admit, when I got to the club, I couldn't believe how advanced they were with their education and um, their reconciliation action plans, um, their the awareness that they they put on Indigenous um, and and Sir Doug Nichols round and um, yeah, like it's just a great we have a great group of players, but our staff as well, everyone embraces it. So uh, yeah, I'm just really um, grateful to be a part of this footy club, and you know the fans get behind it, and you know I just think you know we've got a great sort of history with indigenous players down here so they've sort of paved the way and i think they've probably had a lot of trial and errors for those boys um which is able to maddie whelan heads up our you know indigenous liaison officer at the club so he's really good at uh, conveying um giving those messages between indigenous players in there and the sort of the front office who probably don't understand some of the issues personal issues that may have come up and um raise awareness on things that need to be so yeah we're our club is miles ahead of um like anything I've sort of seen at the Gold Coast Suns, Jared Harbrow was was becoming really good in that area, and I know they they're doing that really well right now because of um he's in that role. I just think maybe back in the start we didn't have all the resources at the Suns to to put into that area. We were just trying to get our on field sorted and trying to get the club off off the ground. So I think Melbourne, through you know probably the history and the years that they've had, were able to you know probably try and error, you know get things wrong, but then fix them and learn from them, and, and now we're in a really good place. This season, the game plan appears to be more attacking. We're taking more risks, often going inboard, which can in turn force more turnovers, and that can have an impact on how you guys defend, and uh, hence that results in more scoring against us. So far this season, we've conceded exactly 102 points more, coincidentally, than at the same time in both 2021 and 2022. Now, we've had a very unsettled backline this season. You've missed two games. Jake's missed a game. Petty's been switching from defence to forward to defence and back forward. Hibbard's missed three. Salo's been out all season. Are these higher scores against us a result of an unsettled backline or are they a result of a more attacking game plan or perhaps a bit of both? Oh, no, definitely a bit of both. Obviously, if you can have your um, back six or back seven playing every week together, you you, know, you build that continuity. But we've, we've played a lot of footy together, so... We can still hold it down. We've actually been pretty poor in, in defending our back 50 to start the year. We've improved that in the last, the last couple of weeks. Um, but you're right. They're, they're... We aren't as boring with our ball movement. It sort of keeps something. So if we're going to take a few more risks, and as you can see, we're scoring a lot more, um, teams aren't going to allow you to do that all game. So they're probably going to make an adjustment, you know, to make a couple, couple more turnovers, and then they have more, more room to attack on the way back. So... Certainly, though, we, we've been poor to start the year in terms of how many points we've conceded. Uh, plus, probably look after the football a little bit more, get that balance right. And, and if we think, you know, it's only a small sample size. It is it is still a sample size, no doubt. Really bad games, which probably, you know, help towards that 101 points you're talking about of um, difference. But it's um, all doom and gloom. I feel like we're starting to turn that, turn the dial on that. But uh, pleasingly, we're still able to put up a good score enough that it's going to win games. So... Um, definitely a bit of both. Look, Salo's a star. Be good to have him. Rick's only missed one game, um, and we needed him. But we all played shocking against Essendon, so yeah, it's good to have a week off that week. And uh, yeah, we're telling Petty. Petty's, you know, that's a bit of a tough one. He's flicking forward and back, but we kind of need him up forward because he's such a good competitor, um, and he allows those smalls to go to work. So I don't know how that's going to look going forward. That's up to the coaches. Um, all we can sort of control is the back fifty and. We got started tying that up, and I think we have in the last fortnight. Um, and I reckon over the next month we will get a better look at 
and it's going before we do need to make any changes if, if that's what it needs to be. Um, remarkably, uh, in, um, in 2021, we only averaged uh, 64 points against us last year. It was uh, 69 points. And um, I assume, you, you know, you had targets last year and the year before that you wanted to keep oppositions down to. And uh, given the more attacking nature of the game uh, this year, have you revised that target? Uh, I think we're averaging about 77 points this year. And as you said, uh, the, the defence has been down. But uh, do you have to revise that year on year? Um, we haven't revised it. No, we haven't. Cody hasn't said, hey, boys, you can concede another 10, 20 points. No, in any sure you'd love to concede zero. Don't get me wrong. But it, if you do look around the league, the game is um, a lot faster, a lot more high scoring, I feel. It's not just us. You know, a lot of other teams are conceding a lot of points. So uh, there's been a lot of high scoring matches. Um, we want to, like I said, we'll get some of our systems better. We'll, we'll be able to bring that number down a bit. But we did the Brisbane game and the yesterday game. We conceded big scores there and um, we would we would usually do that. So that, that affects us. But no, we don't have like a goal in terms of numbers. Um, we just focus on off on defense and we don't even talk about offense. Funny thing is, we've our offense has been off the charts this year, and we haven't spoken about it at all. So, um, we like to be a defend our front half team. You know, we like to defend the ball in our front half, win it back, and score. Um, we don't want to be defending in our back half. That means something's gone wrong up the field. So, um, there's a few different factors. Um, I understand it probably hasn't been great to watch as a as a fan uh, or as a Demonland Demonland member. No doubt, it hasn't been fun for us either down back. But we, we're going to fix it. We're We've put some things in place and, and we're confident we can turn it around. Many opposition teams find it hard to break through our defence, uh, but uh, Judd McVie was fortunate enough to crack into this very talented star-studded defensive unit. His rapid rise from rookie to Casey Premiership player to permanent fixture in perhaps the best defence in the league uh, came as a surprise to many. He's since shown exactly why he was chosen. Uh, what did the footy department see in Judd over the break that got him the gig for round one? Mate, I have no idea. If you asked me last year, I would have said he probably has no chance of debuting this year. Like, based off last year and like, his preseason, he came back so fit. Um, came back a lot more confident. He wanted the ball in his hands and he wasn't shy to play on the best small forwards. Um, and his composure for a young kid is is, is amazing. And um, yeah, you're right. He has, it is hard to break into this team. And he has done that. And he's and he's, and he's got a spot, which is uh, not easy to do. And then to play on... Yeah, I like some of the guys he has played on this year, like Dusty Martin, and I don't know, he played the last time. I'm like, oh, we've got no no worries putting him on a really good small forward. Um, he played on Jack Higgins in the first practice match where I went, wow, this guy's a player. Um, so he's only going to get better. Um, he's got a lot of growth to play in him, and, you know, whoever, I think it was Jess Taylor, maybe found him out in country WA. Um, for the rookie, he's, um, that's an unbelievable pickup. And... Yeah, he's a he's a great kid. He just wants to learn. Um, he's like a sponge out there. He, he he's just wants to be the best player he can. And they're the guys we love playing. We have a whole back lines like that. So if you have that attitude, you come into the team. Everyone's only going to try and make you better. We we're always trying to be the best we can. Disco Turner got the call up uh, for Queen's birthday last season. Many fans were impressed with the brief glimpse uh, we got of him. Since then, he hasn't been able to work his way back into the team with the exception of being named an emergency. Are we likely to see more of Disco at some point? I I think you will see him at some stage. He is knocking on the door, mate. He's playing very well. Um, 
the thing has been probably matchups. Um, a lot, a lot of teams haven't really played three tours against us yet, maybe through their own injuries. Um, and having this smaller back line, we were able to attack a lot more. So again, that's the same. Like, do we bring in another tool and sacrifice a little bit of run? Or are we liking how we're moving the ball out of the back line at the moment and scoring? I think we're in the top four for scoring from our back half. Is that right, Jack? Yeah, some, some ridiculous, like really good. Um, so I'm sure the coaches are looking at that and going, if we take, I don't know who would it, just say, for example, and I'm not saying it's going to be Trent Rivers, but say we took Trent Rivers out. Yeah, what do we lose, but what do we gain? And how does that best fit in our back line? So um, I want to see him play because I have never played with him. So I've only played with him at training and be good to see him. And I think he's deserved of a shot at least um, to prove himself. Um, just like we saw with Judd, we threw him in there and he was able to show us what a player he is. And so I think maybe when there's teams come up with three tools, he's an option, he's an option, but also with Adam Tomlinson as well. Um, surely who's playing better out of those two in the VFL. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in. It's good for our team. It's good for Jake and I, we've got to make sure we're playing well. Otherwise we could be the ones on the way out. So, um, it's making it, it's making a healthy competition at the moment, but yeah, I, I, we love Disco. Um, he's still got a lot to learn, but I love his competitiveness and yeah, he'd fit right in. Uh, who of the current Casey crop uh, is the next big de- big defender to come in, uh, big or small, uh, who's likely to debut? Uh, to debut, um, probably Deacon Smith. Yeah, he is such a competitor. He's a, he's a gun. He's been working on a lot of areas um, to make himself a more complete player, but he's competitive. I don't know if you've watched him play too much in the VFL, but he is just, um, he's like a little Neville Jedi, you know, in terms of he's strong, fast, locked down, stingy on defense, doesn't give you anything. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think Deacon, but again, like, who does he come in for? It's a hard, it's a hard spot. It's a good, it's a good uh, problem to have. Great problem, yeah. <laughs> we drafted 196 centimetre Western Australian defender Jed Adams last season. How How's he tracking? Yeah, he came in um, with, a, I think he just had a shoulder reco or, yeah, the clean up in his shoulder. So we didn't see much of him in the preseason. He was, he was non-contact. And he's very raw, young fella, um, great attributes you know he's obviously good size he's fast a pretty decent click on him um he's just getting some confidence in his body at the moment in learning the craft and learning that in the afl you can't just be the biggest guy and win you got to actually work on your footwork and your and your one-on-one craft um the game plan um is another thing you still will learn as well so he's tracked along well he's um definitely a project for us but He's going to be a good player one day, that's for sure. Uh, you have a very special relationship with your car mate there, Jake Lever. Uh, who's the real captain of the back line? And I might ask uh, both of you uh, that, that question. We don't really have a re- captain of the back line because Jake deals with the half full, half backs up around the stoppage and I deal with the tools, including Jake, because he can't see behind him. <laughs> so anything that goes wrong that I see, I tell Jake, but anything go- that goes wrong in front of me, I tell Jake, and anything goes wrong in front of him, he tells them. So... Um, it's, he kind of like relays the message from if I see something from further away, um, you know, it's easy for him to be the conduit into the midfield, for example. Um, and we're both very, um, competitive and very highly accountable for our own. So there's never really an issue for me to pull him up on on the weekend. I tell him not to squeeze that kick in the corridor late with 20 seconds left in the game, but that's the only thing he's done wrong all year. And I'll take that if that's it, you know, (laughs) so, um, it's yeah, it's 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 more of a partnership than a than who's the captain. Like we we both see the game differently. I'm more one on one defending sort of thing. He's more of an intercept, read the play. So 
together, we make a pretty good combo. As a leader of the club, we see that leadership play out on the field uh, with you guys marshalling the troops. Um, what does your leadership look like off the field and have you taken any one in particular under your wing uh, to give them some extra guidance? Well, yeah, we um, we do a lot of do a lot of work off field. For example, my Jack and myself and Harry Petty do our games and then, yeah, I see what We'd like to sit in each other's meetings with Troy Chaplin to see what we're working on so we can potentially help on game day um, if we see it rather than wait until Monday. Um, but then there's also the young guys that would bring, we'll bring into our meetings and let them see what we're learning about. And then we do some one-on-one craft with them at training, trying to fast track them. There's a, there's a lot that goes on that behind closed doors. A lot of vision that we watch with the young players and then obviously out on the field um, teaching them, you know, how to best mark the ball i guess or come forward or whatever it may be it's it's a the the, the, the development coaches rely a lot on us um we're not really paid to be development coaches but they've trolled all on us a fair bit and we, we're the ones responsible for um fast tracking the young fellas you've played on some of the great modern forwards of the of the of the uh, great forwards of the modern game who would you say is the toughest one-on-one uh past or current players one-on-one yeah probably i'll probably say like it would be um, Tom Hawkins and Travis Cloak. I mean, Travis Cloak, I was young when I was playing on him, and he's a monster. He's massive, um, and he throw you out of the way. It was it was very difficult. Um, and Tom Hawkins is still like that, with all the rules now too, with like holding and uh, all these things. Like you, you really can't get close enough to him to do anything. And once you do, he just blocks you away. With his, he's just so big. So. Um, those two would probably be like, I'd, I'd love to have played on Travis Cloak when I was a bit more mature, but I was playing on him when I was about 19, 20, 21, and he just threw me out of the way. So um, I'd say those two in terms of just one-on-one, they're just like, they're so hard to move. They're just so big. You would have lined up uh, in many match sims uh, and intra clubs on some of our own forwards. Which one of the, those guys gives you the most trouble? Probably Cozzy Pickett. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> No, no, really. <laughs> Probably Jacob Van Royen. And not particularly when I'm playing on him, it's when I'm not playing on him and he comes and gives me a massive corky, but he crashed the packs. Um, I've had to tell him, and so is Jake and so is Harry Petty, like in season, don't be jumping into us at training because we've got to play. But he's just so eager. Uh, I remember against Sydney in his debut, I said, mate, do it all the time. I said, go and do what you do to me every training session and run through someone. And you know, he started to click where he started to do it. So, um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a special player. That's, that's for sure. Someone who's pretty tricky to play on is like a Bailey Fritch because, you know, he never really wants to be in a while on contest and he wants to get you out of the back and make smart decisions. So, um, they're pretty tricky, but tell me, Mac, Benny Brown, uh, Josh Shack, who else do we have? Like, oh, Maxi Gores, he's hard when he's, when they put it in a good spot and he got to sit, but not really on the lead and stuff. It's not really his go. Mm. So. Um, we got a different word, a big bunch of, uh, a good mix of forwards, but yeah, Ben Ryan's probably the one who's, you just don't want him dumping into you. Well, D's fans are understandably excited about the future and are salivating at the prospect of a forward line consisting of JVR, who you mentioned, and in the next year or so, young Matt Jefferson, who looks like he's got some sticky fingers. Uh, you've said how JVR's tracking, um, how, how about, uh, Matt Jefferson from a perspective of a defender who would be tasked playing on him? Yeah, look, I haven't played him a lot at all, really. Um, he is very raw. He's a, he doesn't have a really good leap and good hands. He's very shy as well, so I think 
he's just getting through that stage of you know starting to believe that he's on an AFL list and that he belongs, and that, that's a that's a stage that's really common with a lot of young players, especially key forwards. Like you know they, they have all these high 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 hopes about them when they come in, and um, if they don't deliver straight away, people start to ask questions. But he's definitely a project for us. As you saw, Jacob didn't play last year, benefited from a full year of learning the game plan and then a preseason. Um, I think Jeffo, once he gets another preseason under his belt and a bit more confidence and put a bit of size on, yeah, uh, he's gonna yeah, he's gonna be a special player because he's goal kicking, he's mark, he's got all those attributes. It's just more that he needs to get the body um, conditioned for um, to play AFL footy. Stephen, you're closing in on 200 games, all going well. You play that match in two weeks against the Hawks at the G. You're contracted through the end of 2025, which will bring you to the ripe young age of uh, 33. Do you think you'll be able to go again, or is it a bit of a wait and see how the body holds up? Mate, that's a wait and see. Today, training in the rain and cold wind at Casey, I was uh, rethinking really while I resigned. Um, but no, I'll, I'll get through get through to that, hopefully. And um, if I'm still, I think it's more going to be better if I'm performing. Um, once my performances, you know, start to start to drop off, um, and I don't feel I have that belief, I guess. Um, yeah, there'd be no point trying to run around with some of these young key forwards that are coming into the league nowadays. They all look stupid. So, um, no, I'll just I'll get through, try and get through those two hundreds first, and then um, think about this season. And then, uh, yeah, the preseason's aren't too fun, so I don't have any more. I shouldn't have left in me. What's life after footy going to look like for you? Do you have any ambitions to coach? Um, yeah, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to be like a, you know, too heavily involved. Wouldn't mind a couple of days a week doing some. Um, you know, working with the key position players or something like that. I do love being around that sort of environment. Um, but I'm more really interested in already development and um, some other areas. So, um, and I'm working towards at the moment. So who knows? At the moment, I'm just keen to bring a flag back to um, Melbourne. That would, yeah, that would be a great um, starting point. I'm sure I'll open up a lot of job offers. That's for sure. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. We really do appreciate it. And as your player sponsor, we're wrapped to have you on board. Hope we can check in with you again over the next few years to catch up. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season ahead. Good luck for the 200th game in a few weeks' time. And hopefully we see you lifting the Premiership Cup again, uh, this time at the G. Uh, thank you, Stephen May. No worries. Thank you so much for having me on. That was two-time All-Australian and Demons Premiership defender Stephen May. The Demonland Podcast will be back live on Monday night at 8.30pm. Please join us at demonland.com. Go Demons. Go Red Leggers.